0: Hello, oh, and welcome to the Where Today Meets Tomorrow podcast from Siemens Software. I'm Nick Finberg. I'm going to be your guest host for today's episode. Earlier this year, I got to sit down with Todd Perella out of NX and learn a little bit about what he's doing in the realm of product development with his team, because there are just so many different data points throughout a product's lifecycle that it can be near impossible to fully optimize it for almost any metric without some comprehensive digital tools. And it's especially the case for uh, sustainability. So here's a little taste of what we got to talk about. Um, It was a very informal discussion, so we're just going to dive right in. But first, here's a little background information on Todd Perella. He's worked about 16 years here at Siemens in the NX Product Management Organization as part of the team that sets the vision, strategy, and roadmap for the investment Siemens makes in the NX portfolio of products. And to that end, uh, we got to talk about generative design and engineering practices, So let's get into it. There is so much that you work on here, and you even sat down with one of our other hosts to talk about how artificial intelligence is being applied to the product development process in NX. But I'd like to talk to you about one of the highlights I saw in our first conversation, uh, generative design engineering. Um, What is it in general terms, and why is it so important to the future of product development?
1: Sure. Well, the topic of generative design has come to the forefront of engineering a few years ago now uh, because of what it can do in terms of helping, you know, our engineering design community find, you know, the best possible outcomes of their next generation products. So it, it what generative engineering does is it ex- expands the design space of possibilities for uh, our customers, it allows them to explore many more uh, Variables of, of options, right, you can, you have, oftentimes you'll have weighted criteria, you know, when you're designing a, a product, it, uh, you have, often have many conflicting or, or requirements, multidisciplinary requirements that you need to incorporate into that design for, you know, opt, how you're, you know, what materials you're going to use, what manufacturing method are you going to use, uh, what are the system performance requirements, all of those things are so many variables to, to be juggling and so, as customers are are looking to um, you know f- find that next iteration of, of a performance improvement uh, or that next innovation in, in in their design, you know that they bring to market, uh, they're finding that generative engineering and leveraging artificial intelligent you know algorithms can help them in that process. And, and really, it's about exploring you know hundreds or thousands of iterations versus you know. Know, single single digits or, or, or you know or a dozen iterations uh, that they typically do today
0: so uh, a growing part of that kind of design optimization that you have to do for new products is going to be around sustainable product making it more sustainable um, does generative engineering and generative design kind of integrate some of those other requirements uh, into making a, a design space bounds what kind of
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, so leveraging generative engineering, you can, you know, the, the value of generative engineering is the ability to easily incorporate non-geometric information into, into the equation as well. Uh, so you've got materials, you've got, uh, you've got uh, the manufacturability, you've got things like logistics, you've got all sorts of things that play a key role in, in your uh, developing, you know, green, sustainable products. Uh, So those key key bits of parametric information can be incorporated in the exploration. Um, And so those are all then added into the weighted criteria for what that best design is. And and so, of course, you can then start weighting uh, sustainability into into the process and, you know, taking that into consideration. So it becomes, you know, it becomes a key factor that you can explore on. And and I think, quite frankly, you know, generative engineering uh, and leveraging artificial intelligence is is going to be critical towards achieving that uh, because again, what the computer can do in terms of running through hundreds or thousands of options uh, to help you find that, that best product that that meets all your requirements.
0: Awesome. Okay. So if um, the generative design system is kind of giving engineers or the orchestrators um, a handful of different solutions that would solve the problem at hand, Um, would the the system then be able to provide some amount of context for the engineer orchestrating this AI process? Um, For example, uh, uh, one option might result in better all performance, but a second might provide more optimized performance for a a limited and kind of specific application, but it's more common. Um, how, How do you help them make that decision?
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a good question actually. So yeah, because just having more, having more results available to you, doesn't always, doesn't necessarily make it better or, or, you know, it doesn't make, doesn't improve your process. Right. It's like uh, having too many options available to you in anything can, can actually in some cases complicate things. Right. But, um, so what we, you know, and we kind of call the process of whittling down towards the best option, smart discovery, um, and so what we do is we provide tools through our solutions to, to, to bring those options back to you in a very visual and discoverable way to be able to easily use, uh, you know, various, um, you know, various graphing based tools, you know, various analysis based tools, visual tools to, to, to look at the weighted, you know, the weighted performance of the different variables and to help you um, focus down onto you know whatever whether it's one three or five you know you know really really possible best results for for meeting your objectives uh, so I wouldn't say that we you know yes you could you could take you know the best result you know proposed by the by the system and take that and run, run with it uh, engineering is typically never quite that easy right you're always trying to balance and weight weight options uh, but we offer a lot of tools and capabilities to help you do that um, but at the end of the day it's really still down to the intelligence of the experienced you know professional engineers to really really evaluate those options uh, against their objectives
0: so if if you're kind of giving a variety of options and you you have weightings about which ones uh, may be better in a certain context would this be able to integrate with um, some kind of secondary system maybe a Um, supplier network to be able to say if you lose your supplier for one material type um, at a certain uh, carbon dioxide emission level, would you be able to then like use these other data points to quickly switch to another supplier? Uh,
1: You know, I think that would all be, you know, entirely possible. I can't say that I've honestly gotten to that level of discussion with uh, particular customers. But yeah, absolutely. It's all entirely possible. It's just a matter of, of plugging. I mean, in the sense you're talking about using that information into, say, your um, your uh, your sustainability, you know, your sustainability tools, as an example, uh, and and put, you know, inputting that information. And, and all of these tools really, you know, allow you to to input that information. Uh, so, so short answer is yes. Although I have seen very little of it personally. Um, mm-hmm today, you know, from, you know, at this point in my, in my career.
0: So um, you, you talked a little bit about, well, no, not just a little bit, but you, you're talking about closed loop verification. Um, how heavily does that validation re- rely on physical testing and infield uh, operations? Or is that part of what you're trying to get out of um, maybe a car's out on the road and it's getting um, uh, data about the, the shape of the uh, side mirrors?
1: Yeah. So, uh, that's, those are good questions. And there's, there's two aspects of that really. So number one is your confidence, confidence in your engineering simulations. So the, the more we can improve our confidence in our, in our you know engineering simulations in, in, inside of software, um, to some degree, you, the less you need to rely on the physical testing, um, of the product. And as an example, um, You know, in in a a previous industry in which I worked in uh, where we did um, a lot of drop test simulation to validate whether the product would withstand, you know, loads, you know, drop loads uh, in in the real world, um, our ability to to essentially replicate the physical world 100 percent in the digital environment allowed us to to iterate our designs much more quickly. Uh, because we had high degree of confidence that what we were seeing in our simulation tools was in fact, what's happening, what, what was happening in the real world. Um, so achieving that is, is, is critically important, right? Because you're, you're relying more on, on software technology to give you the information, you know, hopefully the correct information back to you, uh, through these optimizations. So there's a lot of variables there, uh, without question, uh, field operations is critical as well uh, the more that you learn from the way that products I mean there's you can get very very close between the digital and the physical worlds but you know inevitably in in the physical world like you're gonna hit uh, scenarios which you know very likely were never considered uh, you know how many times is the product used in ways it was never quote in, you know intended to be used um, so when you get that data from infield operations, um, you can obviously use that now. Those, those may be outliers to the design. You say that's you know maybe irrelevant because it what you know not as not as intended use, or you may say oh wow you know this product is being used uh, differently than we than we maybe thought in our input in the requirements. So again, using that that data that in field service data uh, back through uh, back you bringing that back into the design loop is really an important aspect. Because uh, it helps get you again discover how your products are really operating, uh, and then you can use that to refine refine your you know your designs for the future.
0: If you're using AI for some of this information, is it uh, are you relying less on almost brute force um, calculations of these? You can you can look for patterns um, within the the testing data.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, looking, you know, looking for patterns is, is really, is, is really a powerful capability for sure. Right. So the more iterations that, that you can run through of options uh, and then you can using machine learning to learn, learn from that uh, you can absolutely, you know, that that can absolutely increase uh, your value there. Right. And looking for, for patterns. And, and again, that's part of the machine learning aspect, right. Which is looking, looking for what, the good patterns are uh, in your design uh, to, to be able to then filter out and, and know when, when something is a, is sort of a bad pattern or a, or a bad, bad aspect of design. Uh, and that's something that we're doing. Maybe we'll talk, we can talk more about a little bit later, but we're doing, as I mentioned before in our daily use of, of, of AI uh, for, you know, for the way you know, our engineers use our, our daily engineering CAD tools uh, through machine learning, you can learn. Uh, you know, we're helping the. You know, we're helping customers learn from what good designs are, right? Either from their key experts or others, and then that helps drive and us be able to advise our, you know, our customers through our AI, you know, you know, CAD, CAD driven and AI, artificial AI tools uh, to help them make better decisions in in
0: that design process. So with. Generative design um, and generative engineering be such, being such a, a digital um, part of the design process, it, like everything is coming from um, a digital requ- a digital requirement. Um, it's coming from uh, different parts of the business on on what this part needs to be. How does how well does uh, generative engineering combined with like digital twin technology or um, the model-based systems engineering methodology, because those are those are both re- very reliant on the requirements coming out of your design.
1: I think all the capabilities that we bring to our customers can be quite complementary to one another, right? Um, of course, the comprehensive digital twin is where everything needs to start. Without that, you really can't leverage these benefits. Um, taking a, a systems-based approach is... Uh, a key aspect to generative engineering where system system requirements drive the design, right? The design that drive drives the design inputs and the design uh, parameters or options, right, for consideration in a generative engineering approach. Uh, so you know, I I think they're not they're not uh, interdependent, but they but they are quite complementary, right? So so you know you could do each of them individually, but you could get you could get productivity gains, uh, efficiency gains by combining combining the two sets of capabilities for sure, um, and you know so they go quite well together. And, you know on the other aspect of things is uh, not only the model based systems engineering, but the model the model based definition right uh, and the model based enterprise the the ability to uh, incorporate the engineering knowledge and intelligence into the design model. Um, from starting from systems engineering, uh, carrying it through into the design, uh, but also being able to leverage that information downstream uh, into you know ultimately into, ultimately most applicably into manufacturing. You're not you're not having to uh, duplicate or or re, or you know redefine that information that you can carry carry that that knowledge down down into the manufacturing process. So that's all considered up front. Um, that's critically important. And that's what Siemens does best, right? Which is the ability to bring all of that together in integrated, an integrated workflow.
0: Yeah, creating another closed loop between design and manufacturing. I love it. So looking in from the outside, it might be easy to assume that generative engineering and additive manufacturing are tightly linked. Um, there is even... There's even some historical context with topology optimization where some of the design that we found, some of the designs that we found could only be recreated with 3D printing. Is there a similar case for additive and generative?
1: Well, generative is not synonymous with additive. I think that's a misconception that we we often drive ourselves, right? So most companies are looking to use generative engineering um, in their traditional ways of working. Um, it's quite it's quite possible there, there's, there's, there's numerous applications of generative engineering that leverage, you know, that, that at the end, the way that the product is going to be manufactured is, is an entirely, you know, traditional way of manufacturing things. Um, that only, those two things really only come together when, you're, when, you're, when your best way to potentially get the performance improvement you're tr- looking to realize Happens to be through the use of additive manufacturing, which which would say that you there's no other, um, you know, feasible way to to manufacture this product if you want to you know achieve that next level of innovation, you know, or performance. Um, so I you know I think there's quite frankly there's a lot of opportunity to improve without you know without additive. Of course, we love additive here at Siemens. Uh, we have an incredible suite. You know, comprehensive suite of capabilities to support an end-to-end design through manufacture. You know, using additive our additive tools and technologies. Uh, but I by no means would want to say that generative engineering is synonymous with additive because that's that that's uh, very much not the case. Um, again, just reiterating, you know, the possibilities of what could be there um, by incorporating additive with generative is is enormous. But as you mentioned, Laura, um, you know, much there's all still a lot of challenges in the additive space, and it really comes down to the certification of materials, certification of processes, and that's making advancements every day. I mean, that's improving every day. I don't, I don't see companies um, down investing uh, in general. I don't see customers down investing in additive. I think people are still very, very bullish on additive. You're seeing more and more of it coming coming through in every industry. Um, But yes, of course, uh, for the right application. uh, And where you have strict certification requirements, right, it 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 can it can limit where you could apply it. Even as much as there's possibilities to where you could apply it in different areas, uh, the limiting factor would remain that certification process.
0: Thank you again, Todd, for, for joining me to talk about what is happening around product design um, and specifically generative engineering. I I hope we get to do this again. Um, even if it's on a different topic and even if we can't get microphones in front of us. And I want to, I want to thank our listeners. Um, I hope this was an insightful conversation. And if you're looking for more information, be sure to check out the description and, uh, maybe even head to our website, sw.siemens.com. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next episode.